Today's reading is from Acts 16, 1 through 15. He came to Derby and the two Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewish, whose mother was a Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who, who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysiae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysiae and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had the had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, including that, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From, from there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia and we stayed there several days on the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer we sat down and began to speak to the woman who had gathered there one of those listening was a woman named Lydia a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira who was a worshiper of God, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Amen. When I was going through my cancer treatment and, and my cancer healing, one of the things that I continued to have to deal with were seizures. And so because I was continuing to have seizures, I was not allowed to drive. And so for eight years following my surgery, I was not driving. And I, and I always put it before God and said, Lord, why can't I drive? What What... Why do I have to have these seizures? I don't understand. And then about five, six years into me not being able to drive and depending on others to get me from one place to another, to another, to another, I happened to be in the car with one lady on this particular day. And we started to talk about Jesus again. And then when she got to my house to drop me off, 
and she said to me, so how, how, how do I get to know this Jesus the same way that you know Jesus? And so in that moment, I got to pray with her to accept Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And so five years of not driving finally came into full clarity for me of, okay, Lord, now I get it. Now I understand. You know, God pursues us. Jesus told us that he would leave the 99 to find the one that was lost. He told us that in Luke 15, 4. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? He pursued every one of you. That's what we see in our text this morning. God pursuing one who's lost, one who is seeking, a woman named Lydia. You know, there are only three verses in all of Scripture that mention her name. But her impact on the church is extraordinary. We've been in a study on the lesser-known characters of the Bible now for several weeks. We've looked at the courage of Beniah. We've looked at the spirit of peace in Abigail, the foolishness of Balaam as he chased after his temptations. And last week, we looked at the model of friendship and discipleship between Moses and his father-in-law Jethro. Today, we look at the story of Lydia, who, although Scripture treats her lightly, was seen by God and celebrated. Well, how do we know she was seen? How do we know she was seen by God? Because in the same way that we were told in John chapter 4 that Jesus had to travel through Samaria because there was a divine appointment for him at a Samaritan well, God also orchestrated a meeting with Lydia. In verse 6, we're told that Paul and Silas were headed to the province of Asia, but the Holy Spirit prevented them from going. So they went to Phrygia and Galatia instead. Then they were headed to the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of the Lord stopped them. So they went through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Then Paul has a vision of a man from Macedonia pleading with him, Come to Macedonia and help us. So they left for Macedonia at once, believing God wanted them to preach the good news there. So they traveled to Philippi, a major city in the district of Macedonia, which was a Roman colony at the time. Now Paul had to be wondering, why here? Why had God called them to a place that was there? It says they stayed there for several days, but nothing's happening. No big groups coming to hear the word of God. No massive groups coming like they had in other places. It was pretty quiet. There isn't even a synagogue there for the Jewish people to gather together. There are hardly good circumstances for what we would call a great revival, at least by human standards. 
But God is an expert at taking our circumstances and making something extraordinary out of them. You see, when there was no synagogue, what people would do was gather by the river for a time of prayer. And that is where Paul meets up with this praying group of women. All women. Not a single man. Kind of ironic, since the vision was of a man pleading to come and help us. You see, there needed to be at least ten Jewish men present in the town to have a synagogue. So because there was no synagogue, we know that there were no Jewish men there. So they were meeting by the river for prayer. What had happened was Roman Emperor Claudius had expelled the Jews from Rome. And Philippi was a high-ranking Roman city. And so they wanted to be like Rome, so they did the same thing. They expelled all the Jews, which makes the faith of these women by the river, all the more inspiring for us. These ladies were faith warriors. They had every valid reason to give up meeting together. There was no church. There was no possibility of having a synagogue. The Romans were always persecuting, always threatening the Jewish people. Their livelihoods and their very lives were at risk for gathering together. Living out their faith was not going to win them any friends, only enemies. And yet every Sabbath, there they met at the river to pray, to worship, to carry on their faith. They were living out Hebrews 10.25, even though it hadn't even been written yet. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. They knew the power of coming together in the name of the Lord. It was encouragement. It was worship. It was talking about their Savior. And here we're introduced to one of these ladies named Lydia, She grew up in a town called Thyatira, and she moved to Philippi. So she's coming into this place as an outsider. She had many marks against her coming in. She was a woman. She wasn't a Jewish convert, not yet. And she was an outsider. She was from another place. All the strikes were against her. But she believed in God. The word tells us. She worshipped God. And so she was there worshipping with the Jewish woman. And we're told that she was a merchant of expensive purple cloth. You know, dyes and clothing were not as easy to obtain back then as they are today. And we can go to the store, we can purchase a t-shirt in any color we want. And the red shirt, yellow shirt, green shirt, they're all the same price. We don't have to pay more for one color over another. But back then, the dyes weren't synthetic. They were natural. And so the purple dye that they're talking about here came from a juice found in very small quantities in some rare shellfish. 
And it would take thousands of these crustaceans to produce just a small amount of that dye. And that's what made the purple cloth so expensive. And so purple cloth became a statement of status. It became a statement of wealth. Much like the secular status that we put on Gucci handbags or Rolex wristwatches today. Now she has no mention of a husband. So we're left to assume that Lydia runs this business by herself. A woman in a male-dominated society, no less, is running this business by herself. That's a courageous woman. That's a strong woman. So here we have this rich, confident businesswoman meeting Paul for the first time. Verse 14 says, As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She listened, she understood, and she responded. She was seeking truth. She was seeking God. God tells us in his word in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's one of God's promises. So the Lord opened her heart. You know, our faith is an act of God. It was him who opened our hearts to listen and to understand and to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. So often when God calls us to share about him to another person, we get nervous. We get tongue-tied. How am I going to do this? I can't do this. What if I say the wrong words? What if, what if I do it wrong? But be clear, whatever you share, it's God's work that's going to transform them, that's going to convict them. That is not on you. That's the work of God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that opens up their hearts and prepares them to respond. Let me say that again. We are not to put pressure on ourselves to say the right words about God, to say the right message, or to convince someone of the truth about Jesus. That's God's work. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit opens up their heart and prepares them to respond. Our words have no power without the Holy Spirit behind them. Our words are just words. But with the Holy Spirit behind them, with the Holy Spirit, that's where the power is. There's a story that Charles Spurgeon used to tell, the great preacher from the 19th century. He told the story of, of one day he was walking down the street and a drunk had called out to him. He said, hey, Mr. Spurgeon, do you remember me? And Spurgeon replied, no, should I? And the drunk responded by saying, yes, I'm one of your converts. To which Spurgeon replied, well, you must be one of mine because you aren't one of the Lord's. You see, Spurgeon knew that any preaching of the gospel 
no matter how good, needed to be accompanied by the Holy Spirit to be understood and to be effective in the lives of people. It's all on God. You see, the Lord took the words that Paul spoke, and he took Lydia's heart that worshipped, that heart that was seeking after him, and he opened it. And in that moment, Lydia would realize her sin, her separation from God, and her great need for a Savior. And so as she accepted what Paul said, and as she accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, she put on a whole new life. A life with new understandings, a life of new desires and new outlooks. And she wanted others to know the Lord too. She told her family. She told her whole household. And then it says they were baptized too. Then she invites Paul and Silas into her home to take refuge. They were strangers only a few moments before. Now they are family. She's engaged in the work of the gospel by housing Paul. You know, Lydia is the first recorded Christian in all of Europe. Do you realize how big that is? Many of us, many of us have European heritage. In some way, shape, or form, if we track back far enough, Christianity in Europe was a result of Lydia's conversion. Wow! And she gets three verses with her name. Wow! And the, this whole chapter in 16, chapter 16 in Acts, this is how it finishes up. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison... They went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Her home becomes a center for Christian faith in the city. Wow! That started with one person. And then it started with her and just her family. And then it started with her, her family, Paul and Silas. And you know what? The Philippian church, the one that Paul writes to that gives us the book of Philippians, she started it there in her home. Wow! We should be saying amen over that. You see, that purple cloth was not just a sign of wealth for those that could afford it. It was a sign of political power. The more important you were as a Roman senator, the more purple decoration you had on your clothing or your toga. Only the emperor was allowed to wear all purple. It was the color of the Roman elite. And so here in Philippi, the message of the gospel and the power of Rome come together and meet in the heart of this woman, Lydia. A woman who sold luxury goods to the powerful and the elite, but who also knew that there was something more to life because God had opened her heart. She was a woman whose heart was prepared by the Holy Spirit 
to hear the call of Jesus and then follow him. She was a woman who, in the midst of everything going on in her life, was still able to focus in on one moment and rest comfortably wearing just one hat, a hat that said, baptized and redeemed child of God. I imagine that Lydia wouldn't care if we knew about her wealth or her business. Lydia would want us to know her by one thing, that Christ died for her sins. She passed on her faith to her family. She passed on her faith to her household and eventually to the many people in Philippi. And then it wasn't long before there was this thriving church. The Philippian church becomes one of Paul's greatest supporters, financially and spiritually. Filled his joy, filled his heart with joy when he was sitting in a prison. Listen to the words that he writes to them in the first chapter of Philippians. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Remember, this was the church, this was the place where Paul gets to and nothing is happening. Nothing. There's no synagogue. There's just a few ladies meeting by the river. And now he's in prison and he's writing to them, look what God did. He takes the ordinary, makes it extraordinary. Earlier in this message, I started to compare Paul's appointment in Philippi to Jesus' appointment with the Samaritan woman at the well. And it's interesting that after the Samaritan woman's encounter with Jesus, she becomes a preacher. She starts telling her whole village about this Messiah so that they too can be saved. After Lydia's heart's been opened to accept Jesus as her Lord and Savior, she too becomes a preacher, first telling her household, then holding prayer meetings and gatherings for other believers in her home, planting what would become one of the most supportive churches for Paul. May we never underestimate what the Lord is doing. Every person we come in contact with has God potential. May God allow us to see them through his eyes. Take time today, take time this week to remind that someone who helped you 
discover Jesus. Tell them how special and impactful they've been in your Christian walk. They may need the encouragement. Here in Acts chapter 16, a church is founded in the most unlikely of places. And then becomes one of the most successful stories of faithful believers in all of Scripture. You see, God is always orchestrating our circumstances for his purposes. Sometimes there's a reason why things don't seem to go right or go the way we expect. Maybe a house sale falls through. Maybe that job you've been waiting for doesn't come. Sometimes it's just what it is and we keep moving forward. Sometimes it's God's providence. He has a plan for us. He's just waiting for us to see it and listen to the voice of the Spirit and follow. You know, I was reminded as, as I was preparing this this week, about a year ago, our youngest child had a foot injury. Some of you may remember that. And she could hardly walk. Now, just before that, she had gotten her learner's permit. And we, so we had started driving lessons. And we were working towards getting her, her license by the end of last year. But then the foot injury came up to the point where she could hardly walk. X-ray after X-ray, CAT scans, doctor visits, doctor visits, everything. We can't find anything wrong with her foot. There's nothing that we can find on her foot. This makes no sense. Okay, so, so eight months in a cast and crutches, and we tried acupuncture. We tried everything. Not, you know, no one could tell us what was wrong. Then in March of this year, when we find ourselves in an emergency room because of seizures, I could hear God say to me, do you remember that foot injury last year? No one could understand, that no one understood. I said, yeah, I remember. He said, I didn't want her to drive. He said, but there was no other way to get your attention to keep her from driving. Because had she been driving when she had one of these seizures, what would have happened? Wow. God's ways are so far above our ways. We, we can't understand them. Sometimes he gives us glimpses looking back of how he protected us or how he prepared us for something. That's the kind of God we serve. We can learn so much from Lydia. On the one hand, we have an example of living out our faith. We find humility in making worship a priority, no matter how busy our life seems. We see that responding with kindness and hospitality to those in need is an outward sign of our new life our new priorities, and new perspective. And through Lydia, we learn to rest in the love and grace of our risen Savior. 
by seeking him and by listening to those that God puts in our path to tell us about him. And then on the other hand, we see what God can do with the detours in our life. In the detours, there may be protection. There may be divine providence. But ultimately, in the detours, we know that God will make extraordinary come from the ordinary, because that's the kind of God he is. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the examples of Lydia and Scripture. Lord, there are so many names in Scripture given just, just a few verses to tell us just a little about their lives. Lord, we know that you put them in there for a purpose, to encourage us, to strengthen us, we thank you for the example of Lydia in her courage, in her strength. And Lord, the example you give us of opening up her heart to hear your word. Lord, help us to see the Lydias around us as we leave this place. Put Lydias in our path, Father those that you've prepared to hear your word, those that need you, that need Jesus. Give us the strength to speak up. Remind us that it's your work to bring them to the cross. We're merely vessels. We thank you for Jesus. And in his holy, precious name, amen. Amen.